listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megawind Kill Guard Studios. Hey, 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 Bass Edge Nation, rocking it on with another episode, our second episode of 2023. Aaron, excited to be back on the mic with another show. It's like, can we get a break? Things have not stopped. I know you went to the beach. You still got a sunburn, which is, you know, at least we can't see the sunburn this time of year. It's just too freaking cold, so we can see it. But, but uh, man, it's been a wild time since this New Year's turned, and uh, the tournament season for me is already kicking off in high gear. Yeah, second season of the episode, but certainly that still means 392 episodes, Kurt, since we've been at the mic here, and that's 392 times that you have heard us talk about our friends at MegaWare Keel Guard there in Ogden, Utah, with all of those great products. From the first do-it-yourself keel protector, the skeg guard, the battery guard, the list goes on and on. Be sure to check all things MegaWare out at keelguard.com. Kurt, speaking of getting ready, I think you've got, what, two events? Like the MLF Toyota on Havasu, as well as, uh, I believe, the Texas Bass Nation on one of my favorite lakes. Yeah, man. I remember you did a Bass Edge episode at Choke Canyon. And uh, yeah, man, that's where my first tournament of 2023 is going to be. Excited to run down there. Doing a little team event with the Texas Bass Nation on a Saturday and then the individual event on Sunday. Really like how that is being set up. So you actually have an opportunity at the end of the year to qualify for the team championship through Bassmasters and and potentially qualify for the Classic, as well as the uh, Federation, of course, the the Bass Nation. So a great little back-to-back deal there at Choke Canyon. Then, dude, headed off to the desert. I'm so excited to get to Lake Havasu. Haven't been there since my elite series event i think it was 2015 you remember that tournament yeah man i remember you how much you enjoyed it and how much you love going out there and and i just wonder how's the water situation yeah havasu is uh really a constant level lake so it's it's good at havasu of course you know mead struggling above there and then powell struggling above mead but those two lakes below mead mojave and havasu they stay a pretty constant level you know they fluctuate a a couple feet, but obviously nothing like we have here at Amistad or Lake Mead or Lake Powell. So totally different situation, but great smallmouth fishing out there. Also some big, large mouth fishing out there. It's still probably going to be in that late winter, early pre-spawn. If you get one of those warming trends, you're going to see some fish move up. I'd love to see that. You know, I love to be shallow. As most of Bass Edge Nation listeners know, I love to be fishing shallow. But, uh, man, if I've got to get out there and get on my live sonar, I'm going to be out there catching some of those late wintertime smallmouth and largemouth as well. So uh, Havasu is a lot of fun. It's been a while since I've been out there. You know, the last tournament that I fished out there, Aaron Martin's one flipping toolies it was uh, one of his uh last big wins uh, you know in the Bassmaster elite series before he switched over to mlf back in the day but uh pretty cool great historic event yeah so neat so neat and i'm excited not only occurred about that event but also this episode you've got uh, another fantastic lineup somebody that actually is kind of out of my backyard that i'm looking forward during the angler spotlight to get to hear from but before that we've got a neat segment b with uh, somebody that we've actually spoken to in the past concerning the mountain 
pricing of electronics. Yeah, man. A neighbor, I think also of yours over there in Missouri. Yeah, beat down outdoors. We're gonna we're gonna chat with them and and Ozark's special angler. You know, if you've ever wondered as a listener how to walk through the weekend angler to the AAA level to the tour level, this is an interview you're not gonna want to miss. So y'all stay tuned. We're gonna be right back with more Bass Edge Radio. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Live Well, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, I mentioned in the intro, real excited about this electronic mounts that I saw on social media from beat down outdoors man i had to contact them to discuss further here on bass edge let the listeners know what i've seen and dive a little bit more into this product man super cool and unique mounts i feel like truly evolving electronic bass boat mounts the next generation of you know level of use right especially with forward-facing sonar and uh, all the power it takes to run these units we've talked about power a lot here on the show but here to discuss is blake price who's with beat down outdoors thanks for stopping by here on bass edge blake pleasure to be on guys well blake certainly uh, proud to have you because you're another missouri boy uh so we're going to overpower kurt today with that fact <laughs> and just consistently remind him that great things come out of missouri we will do that on a regular basis but no let's let's jump right into it blake tell us about you know kind of the need that you saw in the industry to up the game really on the sonar mount and this telescoping dual mount system that that you've had on the market that uh, myself and Kurt are just really so impressed with. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, obviously we're from Missouri. We just mentioned it. Um, we're, we're about 30 miles north of Truman Lake Reservoir in Sedalia, Missouri. That's where we're based out of. I grew up here. So we, we crappie fished a lot. That was kind of our thing. You know, we, we didn't bass fish a ton. Um, we're starting, we're getting into that now, but you know, when, when live scope first came out, I feel like the crappie world took it on, you know, right from the beginning, I think crappie are a little bit easier to see on live scope and obviously a little bit easier to catch. So 2018, 2019, we've seen what live scope was doing to the industry. And we were just fishermen back then, you know, my dad and I own a machine shop here in Sedalia, have 25 or 30 people. So we kind of make anything. I mean, that's, uh, that's always been our niche is we can make whatever we can draw up. So the need we saw was we were in the market for buying a mount. I'll be honest with you, we had no uh, ambitions of building a mount. So you know, kind of looked over what was out there and just didn't really see anything that we were looking for. Our idea back then was we want something we can raise up and then something that can drop back down out of the way. So when you're, you're traveling, you know, from spot to spot, you can get your graphs down low. So for one, they don't fly off your boat. Two, you can see where you're going. Because Truman Lake is full of stumps and you have to run channels. And that was the main thing for us was get a mount that's low profile, but we can pop it up. And, and be able to you know adjust our screen and see what we wanted to see. That was the whole start of this. And really, 
I'll mention Travis Glenn's one of my best friends. And uh, he was probably the first one that came to me and said, hey, we need to build them out. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where the wheels all got turning with this whole entire company. So really, Beat Down Outdoors didn't start because of, you know, we wanted to build graph mounts for the entire world. It just started as a project that we took on and just kind of got the ball rolling for where we're at today. You know, that it's great how that those things develop. Usually the best products come out of that fashion, you know, just some some backyard chatting under the shade tree and man, we really need to solve this problem uh, this issue that we have and and we often joke in the bass fishing world you know crappie you're not quite up and as active as you are in the bass fishing world i i don't believe you know just from a uh, maneuverability perspective and constantly right. you know moving around the spots now, obviously crappie fishing is is awesome and it's a lot of fun and i agree that the crappie world totally took on live scope before the bass fishing world yeah. did but the yeah. thing I, we I'll joke about oh sorry no it's okay <laughs> well, what i was gonna say is it really has taken a couple of years for us to even you know i think we talked last year a little bit and the thing is it was it's taken a couple of years for the bass market to really kind of harness live scope I mean, that's kind of been our challenge you know the crappie world we just blew up there you know we had a different look mount it was totally different than what anybody else had seen so that you know those guys took to it really quickly but getting it started in the bass world just kind of had to wait for the bass world to come around to live scope more or less yeah and it definitely has over the last you know 24 months one of the things we joke about bass fishing is is we're all going to need chiropractic you know, because, you know, we're always facing <laughs> down, you know, our, our chin is in, in our chest. We're staring at that unit that's all the way down there on the bow. And with this telescopic right. mount, it really creates a whole new experience and really allows you to fish more effectively. Yet at the same time, watch that screen, you know, look for those fish on live scope. And that's why this mount is so important. Yeah. I mean, like I said, getting something up off the floor, that was one of the keys to uh, when we were designing a mount. That was what we were wanting to do because, like you said, it's so difficult to stare down at your feet more or less all day long. I mean, that was something my dad and I noticed when we were fishing together. You know, he's almost 60 years old. And when he was doing that, I mean, he would tire out in a couple hours. He was just done. You know, he couldn't go any further. His back hurt and his neck hurt. So that's what getting it up off the ground really does. It more or less puts the graph in your line of sight when you're fishing. So you're no longer looking at your feet. You're able to still look out in front of you and still see your graph and all that. Well, and, right. you know, Blake, the functionality of, like you speak of, being able to raise it up and down, but also the, the main thing that I look at is to be able to keep that mounted when you're running. A, you can lower it down, but also to make sure that, you know, you don't have $8,000 of graphs that's going to wind up out in the lake because of, you know, four bolts that's poorly mounted or something sure. like that. And, and I think that's where you guys also make sure that all boxes are checked on that piece. Yeah, and the whole reason behind us going into beatdown as a business was, we're not going to put a product out there that's going to fail. You know, we've always been the type of people that have bought top of the line stuff because we are just like the hardcore tournament fishermen. We rely on our equipment. We don't get a chance to fish as much as, as some people do. So when we're out there, we don't want things to break. And we designed all of our mounts, everything that we make with that in mind. It's extremely rigid, extremely durable. Um, you know, these mounts are going to last a very long time. And, uh, you know, we wanted to make it as adjustable and versatile as possible. 
sure you have more ideas in the works. What are you seeing as the need, I guess, additional needs perhaps to fulfill for use of electronics uh, more effectively? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we, we came out with a transducer pole last year, which there's a ton of live scope transducer poles out there. There's motorized transducer poles. There's just standard pole. And some guys are making them out of just straight PVC. So we saw a niche that nobody had really came out with in that market. And this is probably more for crappie fishermen or guys up north that are chasing walleye or something. But we made a transducer pole that breaks away. So if you hit a stump like on Truman, it's not going to break your pole in half. It's just going to, it kicks away and then it snaps right back down to, to where uh, it should at 90 degrees from the boat. So we had that kind of going on. And then obviously, you know, there's a big kayak craze going on right now. There are kayaks everywhere. <laughs> so uh, we're actually designed, I haven't designed a kayak mount that has, I'm not going to give everything away yet because it's probably going to be a little bit before we get it to market. But uh, it'll be a very interesting design that I think would fit a kayak really well. And if you guys have been following us on our Facebook and social media, one of the biggest things for our company when we started, we started with these mounts and now we're drilling it into the bass market. We came out with our console mount. Really, we released it at Bassmaster Classic this year and it's actually pre-orders are open and uh, they'll ship the first week of January. But our console mount, it follows the same kind of design techniques as our regular mounts do. Completely adjustable. You can move your screen side to side, back and forth, you can tilt them forward and back. You can take them off your boat. So that, that's, that's what's coming down the pipe as we kind of break into the bass market, you know, and uh, we have a full boat package. That's kind of what our goal has been. Yeah, that's nice. I, I like it when, when companies do that, like TH, you know, they do bow to transom kind of. That's their formula, and, and th- that'd right. be great to have that in the mount world too. I saw something on your website just to let listeners know how truly unique some of this innovation is, is you have a mount with tool batteries, basically the lithium batteries that go into a bottom of a screwdriver or a uh, yeah. or a uh, ratchet or, or, you know, compact gun or whatever, and and those actually mount into the electronics mount so you can run your electronics on those lithium tool batteries. Who came up with that, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, really, this kind of came about early on, probably late 2020. Sea Light is a company that they, I think they specialize in making lights, you know, for boats. But they, they also dabble into the fishing industry. And they came up with an adapter that basically exactly what you're talking about. You can plug your tool batteries in. And, and guys were starting to run their graphs off the lithium, like DeWalt batteries. And we're sitting here looking at this thing going, okay, that's interesting. But everybody was running wild wiring, you know, down under their boat. Well, it started kind of in the crappie tournament scene. These guys all had live scope. And I don't know, I'm sure you guys have went live scoping for crappie. If you're the guy that's not fishing, it's really boring. <laughs> just, <laughs> right. Two guys on the front of the boat, one guy gets to run the live scope and he catches the fish. And, and if, if you're lucky, your partner will, will take turns with you. But um, so what these guys were doing, they were like, hey, we would really like to put two live scopes on the front of the boat. That's kind of the first we heard about it. And we're sitting here looking at all the stuff. We're like, man, putting all this on the front of one boat. I mean, first of all, somebody's going to have, you know, 10 grand in a setup. So we were looking at it. We're like, you know, what if a guy just could take his stuff off his boat and move it to his buddy's boat for a tournament or if they're going fishing for the day. So that was the first idea of putting these adapters on a mount. So we just made a plate to where you could bolt the adapters onto the ultimate or shorty or whatever you had. And uh, basically 
we made quick release bases. So you could just take your mount off of your boat, switch it over to your buddy's boat. If you had an independent transducer pool, like we were talking about, basically all of our bases, you just stay, they stay on your boat all the time. So you can switch it back and forth from boat to boat and you don't need to have an external power source other than what's already on your mount. So this this rolls right into a a conversation I had with a co-angler friend of mine. He fishes the uh, Toyota series, you know, like the MLF Toyota series is a co-angler. And and of course he's back there. Same deal, right? The pro (laughs) is on the front scoping and and live targeting a bunch of things up there. And, and he's back there casting randomly, you know, into the water, you know, not knowing exactly what he's casting at. Of course, everybody now wants to see everything on, on live sonar before they make a cast. And I was like, man, you need to make, a removable bracket that just clamps to the side of a boat somehow that has a sonar and has some power and dude you're in that level already i mean all basically you need is a little transducer pull and and a way to clamp it so it doesn't uh interfere with the pro's boat you know from a uh, mounting perspective but yeah that would be awesome yeah what's funny about that is you know we go to these trade shows and, and, and there's always slow days at trade shows so we're always sitting around just kind of more or less just dreaming up ideas and making fun of each other. It's what we do. But uh, what, what was funny was we had a, a couple of pretty hardcore bass tournament anglers travel around with us. And we were sitting there one day and we're like, you know, you really need one for a co-angler. We actually, we've talked about this and, you know, the idea is, of course, it's few out of how we would get all this on the boat and not look ridiculous <laughs> trying to do that on the back of a boat. I don't know exactly how you could do it without, you know, bringing a bunch of stuff on the boat. That was the main thing we were worried about. Like, well, what's the pro going to think whenever you got 40 pounds a year to bring into his boat, you know, with you? But uh, it, it is interesting. I mean, it's something that, I'll be honest with you, I think it's a great idea. And if we could figure out how do you get it done and it'd be acceptable <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. i think you would have you'd, some, se- you'd so. sell a few of those pretty quick i think for sure i think so <laughs> well hey blake yeah. and i i really appreciate you taking time on the show with us today to inform us about beat down electronics mounts let the listeners know where to see some pricing get a look at more of these products Sure. So we have um, Instagram and Facebook, obviously, Beatdown Outdoors. You can check us out there. That's linked to our website, beatdownoutdoors.com. And I'll tell everybody, you know, uh, if you have questions, all you have to do, pick up your phone, 660-287-8833. We got somebody on the lines from 8 to 4.30 every day, Monday through Friday. We love to hear from our customers. Some of the best ideas come from a customer's conversation. And, uh, you know, we, we've learned in this business that, you need to listen to the people that are talking to you because they're the ones that have the need and they might see the need before you do. So anyways, yeah, check us out. All of our pricing's online. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you. All right. Well, once again, there it is. Blake Price, Beat Down Outdoors. Be sure to check them out. Uh, in the meantime, we are heading right off into the Angler Spotlight coming up next. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Stay right there. Kurt and I will be right back. This is BASS Elite Series Champion Brian Schmidt. I am MLF Pro Kurt Mitchell. I am Dustin Connell. This is MLF Pro Angler Ty Allen. This is 2022 Bass Pro Tour Champion Bradley Roy. I am BASS Angler Keith Pochet. Stay right there for more Bass Edge. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. 
Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Aaron, I'm excited for this featured angler. Man, a true Ozarks angler is on this episode of Bass Edge. He's gone from a great weekend career in the FLW BFLs, qualifying for five, five, Aaron, five All-Americans, then stepping into the FLW Tour, now a full transition to the top tier with Major League Fishing on the Bass Pro Tour, and absolutely just kicking butt over there, too. Welcome, Sarcoxy, Missouri angler in 2023 MLF Red Crest Qualifier, Jeremy Lawyer. Thanks for being with us today, Jeremy. Well, thanks for asking me. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun show. Well, absolutely, Jeremy. And, you know, Kurt said it best. I mean, there in the opening, what just a uh, kind of a tremendous journey, I guess, if you will, transition from, you know, that kind of that consummate weekend warrior angler to a full-time professional in the sport of bass fishing. And it looks uh, so simple on paper, right? But yet, you know, kind of like we've heard it before, how hard can it be to catch uh, five fish each and every day? But yet so few are able to really achieve kind of that sustainability of being able to stay out there. There's certainly a lot of great fishermen, but those that can stay out and do it at a high level day in, day out. What has been your key ingredient? You know, I tell you what, I think probably the biggest thing that's helped me out in my whole career is that my career didn't get started until uh, later in my life, more or less. You know, I qualified for my first All-American in 06, and that, that I was 26 years old. And, man, I wanted to win that worse than anything, you know, because then I was going to get a chance to go full-time. But I had a, a brand-new baby girl that was a year old. And uh, me and my wife had just been married a couple of years and a lot of that debt with a little house and things like that, our first house that a lot of people in that age class, you know, go through. And I finished 18th and, you know, I won some money, the most I'd ever won, like ten or $12,000. And so I was really excited, but didn't win the All-American. When I got a chance to actually win the All-American, it was 10 years later in 2016. I was 10 years older. My daughter was 10 years older, you know, we, we had built a new home and, and it kind of graduated from just being a, a new family, you know, and everything. And so I think my roots were a little bit more stable than a lot of guys that try to get into the industry. And I'd say if anything, that probably helped me as much as, as anything, because by the time that I got a chance to try and fish full time on the FLW tour, you know, I'd have been 37 and, you know, I just didn't have quite the amount of debt acquired through, uh, trying to do it when you get out of college or or maybe in your young 20s and so uh no doubt definitely winning all-american and then turn around after two years on the tour and winning a tour event you know when you get some big bundles of cash you know kind of thrown at you like that it definitely gives you staying power but i still think if i'd have been younger i would have burnt that money up so much faster that uh, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been able to be utilized like it was when i was a little bit older in my life and so uh I think that's probably helped more than anything. Man, that's that's pretty cool. It, it's interesting how life 
and timing in life is so important. We can be upset or disappointed. We maybe didn't get the success we had tried to accomplish at a certain time in life. But man, you keep at it. You keep pushing and, and you keep trying to achieve what that vision or that dream is essentially. And man, when the timing's right, it just happens and it progresses. It seems like that's kind of how it laid out there, man. Looking at the MLF Bass Pro Tour, finished 14th in standards this year in your first year. How have you liked, I, I need to know that MLF Every Fish Counts format, obviously it's changing now for 2023 with, with uh, everyone going back to a five heaviest five fish limit in 2023. Talk a little bit about your 2022 campaign and then what you see coming for 2023 on the Bass Pro Tour. Well, i tell you what, for starters, whenever they offered to the Pro Circuit Anglers, the old FLW Tour, that the top 10 in points are going to go to the Bass Pro Tour, that really wasn't even something that was on my radar. I liked catching five. I didn't really know uh, how I would care to catch all you can catch. I never had really fished against a lot of the BASS guys that made up the Bass Pro Tour because uh, I was always fishing the FLW Tour. So I really didn't know a lot of those guys. And then when I qualified, my wife said, are you going to take it? I'm like, well, I think I'd be stupid not to take it. You know, it's a great opportunity. It's something different. And let's just go, you know, see where this journey takes us. We didn't really know what to expect. And then I think what helped me have a little bit of success this year was the fact that we started off in Louisiana on a lake called Darbone. It was super tough to even get a bite. I had one bite, one day of practice, and then uh, I just went out there and kind of went fishing and caught a few. I didn't didn't really have a great event or anything like that, but I had enough to kind of hang in there because there were some anglers in two days that didn't catch a scoreable bass is how tough the fishing was. And so I think some of those tough events to start the year kind of gave me a little bit of momentum. And then, you know, I had a little bit of just drive then to try and keep succeeding just for the fact that uh, you don't ever lose that drive. But once you're in the front just a little bit, you know, you're trying to stay there and it kind of keeps you digging a little bit harder. But then I'm really thankful that I got a chance to fish all you could fish before they change it back to all just five fish because it is the most intense, high-pressure that line is running you down fishing I have ever <laughs> witnessed in my life. I have never had acid reflux or anything like that. And you get out there and you get on that cut line at the end of the day and you see $10,000 slipping away from you and you're not catching them and they're gaining on you, it will absolutely make you curl your toes and dig in. So I'm very thankful I got to do that. But looking towards 23 when they're going back to five fish, I do feel like at catch all you can catch. I probably never had a chance to actually win one of those Bass Pro Tour events at that format. If you look back at the couple of majors I've won and the and the Toyota Series I won, other than just the Toyota Series, I didn't catch that many fish. I only caught five in the All-American the last two days. And at Grand Lake, the last day at the Tour event, I only caught five that day. And so I, I just don't catch a lot of numbers of fish in the past history of my career. So going back to five fish, I feel like maybe if a guy gets on the right little old group of good fish, he has a chance to win again and not have to catch 40 or 50 in a day's time to pull the win off. So right. that part kind of excites me. So so we'll just kind of see, you know, you really don't know what, uh, what any of this fishing, you know, uh, holds out in front of it so this will just be something that's a little bit different again and, and we're just going to keep rolling with the punches and, and get in there and elbow around and try to catch all we can catch that's about all you can really do 
you know, Jeremy, the Ozark region has some just outstanding fisheries. And I always quite often say that kind of the only thing sometime that we're missing is, is just the vegetation because we have all three species. You've got the clear water offshore Absolutely. river, you know, all, all of the stuff that you've heard about, but it, it doesn't seem quite as complex as, as other parts of the country. Learning and becoming, you know, one of the best anglers in the Ozark region, like you have, um, transition into really national success. What about the Ozark region? Have you been able to kind of lean on for consistency, you know, throughout uh, really catching bass in other parts of the nation? Well, I mean, you got a little bit of everything here in the Ozarks. You know, some places simple as we take table rock for granted. You know, you got all three species of bass. You can fish shallow, you can fish deep, you can fish muddy, you can fish suspended fish. There's so many options there that you can apply some of those techniques all over the country. Then you take a place like Grand Lake or Lake the Ozark where docks are real predominant. Now, a lot of parts of the country, we don't have floating docks like we have here in the Ozarks, but we got dock structure. So you fish them a little bit different or the fish might relate to them different, but you're still fishing a boat dock and that kind of application. And then we've got a lot of finesse fishing. You know, I'm crappie fishing today. Just as soon as we get off the phone here, I'm uh, ready to put in the water and just go out there and live scope around catch a lot of crappie it's a really good way to just uh, keep tuned up and then keep repetition repetition of seeing and catching and seeing and catching and you can apply that to bass fishing as well when you go to other parts of the country where you're going to go throw a Demiki rig or fish deep or like Cherokee Lake or, or Douglas or some of them that you're going to throw a little swimmer and I mean throwing a crappie jig for a crappie or throwing a little old tiny swim bait or Demiki rig for bass is the 100% total same concept. Mm -hmm. You're just catching and maybe using a different rod and reel setup and different things like that. But, you know, you can apply a lot of that, but you're 100% right. We do not have grass. And I found out that bass love grass. So I started loving <laughs> grass back years ago. So whenever we go someplace that has grass, you know, I'm, I'm focused 100% on the grass because I kind of know what it can do. But I, I learn a lot every time we go to a grass lake because we really never had that here in the Ozarks. But it's just kind of a little bit different as far as finding the right kind of grass. But you can still use a lot of the same techniques. You know, either you're just dragging a worm through a brush pile here or you're dragging it over the top of the grass down in Florida. You know, same same type of application, just different deals. But uh, the one thing that I've learned more than anything around the country is that the Ozarks region is a patternable place. I mean, you mm. can run points or inside turns or boat docks on channel swings. And if you're catching them on something, you can run a lot of the lakes around here in the same day and do that. Like with the wiggle wart transitions and different things. When you get out there in Florida and different places around the country, a lot of that doesn't hold true. You know, it's like a spot. It's a spot on the spot, you know, especially a place like Okeechobee or Sam Rayburn, you know, somewhere where the grass or a hole in the grass and it holds every bass right there. You can go find the same hard line or cattails or pads or whatever, but if it doesn't have that same bottom or that same spot. So I've kind of had to have a little bit of a transition from trying to pattern so much when I'm out on the road, but for the most part, you just still fish a lot of the same techniques, just of trying to apply them in a different part of the country. That's a great point, Jeremy, about pattern fishing versus, you know, spot fishing. How do you think that's evolved with the technology? You know, a lot of times you've got anglers running around and just dropping the trolling motor and scanning around with live sonar to look for fish. Are you still finding that those patterns hold in place even when you're using that type of technology to locate bass? Is it still patternable from that perspective? Well, you know, I don't use, let's just say Garmin Live Scope. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't use it that much 
on a pattern type situation because when you're fishing shallow, it seems like that's where your pattern more avails. When right. you're fishing deep, if you're out in the middle of a gut of a creek, say at Table Rock, you know, and you're just in a Kimberling area, you could run two more creeks and not even have, a, you know, a, a ball of bait or a group of fish out there in those creeks. So it's kind of like the spot again, you know, in that situation. But you're still using a lot of the technology as far as your mapping and different things like that to definitely look for, if they're on long gravel roll-off points, you know, you can just run those. If you're fishing channel swings where they transition to a last channel swing in a creek, you know, you're still using that technology and that mapping to find that. But it's kind of two different beasts. But, yeah. you know, I find myself a lot of times at home, if you're going to fish a one-day event and try and win in a buddy term or something like that, you can definitely spot fish and have a chance to win because it's just you're just trying to get five bites. Mm-hmm. In a multi-day event or especially in a touring event where if you try to fish a spot and everybody else knows it too in different guys, you'd be surprised what so many of these guys on the tour. I mean, Kurt, you know how it is, especially. They find the same things you find. So if you just try to fish a few spots – you know, in a multi-day event, a lot of times out you're quick. sharing them with somebody. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, sir. And Absolutely. so you got to kind of pick your poison. So some of the guys around here local can spot fish, especially like brush piles in the summertime and stuff, and still win. But you just can't hardly do it like that out on the road. Well, very good points and, and great insight there, Jeremy. want to kind of swing back into that, you know, every catch format to the new change which seems like you're excited about going back to that five fish limit you know five heaviest fish for the bass pro tour next year what's your thought process on either maybe new techniques that you started to use in the every fish counts format and do you feel like some of those techniques and ways to target a better size bass for 2023 with that five fish format are going to change a little bit on the Bass Pro Tour. And, you know, maybe some of those techniques that kind of left the radar from from the MLF BPT format. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I found myself the last few years uh, fishing some team events and then fishing on the tour. I did away with some techniques. I could go catch 10 or 12 pounds, but then I put that rod up and just try to do something different to cull my weight up. And so I kind of got away from it. I'll give you a great example. I used to love to throw just a six or a seven inch zoom trick worm on a hook, weightless. Mm-hmm. I just throw it down the banks around the spawn, you know, kind of like a floating worm, but you just kind of dead stick it like a Senko, and it's just kind of mm-hmm. finesse. Love to do it. Done it for years. You could catch 12 pounds all day long, and then you might get the last check, but you could get some fish in the boat. Well, this year on the Bass Pro Tour, I got to do it again at like the Ozarks and everything because two pounders were two pounds. You know, they all counted. And right. so that's actually what made me get into the knockout round was a couple of little low two pounders that I caught up there. And then I just squeaked in by like a pound and a half. And so, uh, you know, that right there was a really good way to come back and utilize that technique in the all-you-can-catch format. Now, going this year, back to the five fish, that rod, might as well just put it up. (laughs) There's no way that that's going to do you any good now, you know. And so I really did enjoy going back and doing some things like throwing a drop shot some and catching some smaller fish, you know, just because they were all going to weigh and things like that. Not that you can't catch bigger fish on a drop shot, especially in parts of the country, but where I was utilizing it, I was just trying to catch numbers. And so this year on the Bass Pro Tour, you know, it's going to be more to where the pressure's not going to get to you as bad. Because if you're behind by 10 pounds, but you've only got three fish, well, that's not that big a deal. You get two yeah. or three more bites and make a good call, you know, you're right back in the ball game. So you've got till the last hour of the day. If you get 10 fish behind in the all-you-can-catch format, man, you're struggling, your wheels are turning, and you're going the wrong direction. 
and they're just outrunning you, it's hard to catch up. But now I will say, you know, some of these places we're going to go to, the quality of fish are probably going to be a little bit better. And so you may have a good bag of fish, but the five fish format is not going to allow you to catch back up or even get where you need to be because everybody has those same five because the lake has so much quality in it. And so it's going to go more like a standard weight as along the lines of the old FW Tour, the Bass Elite. You know, it's definitely going to make the weights tighter. And then I think at the end of the day, you're going to have a chance to see seven, eight, nine, ten guys have a chance to win instead of just the one or two that's got such a lead in the horse race that yeah. they can't be caught. And I so agree. I, I think you're definitely going to see some some different sides of it. I think it's going to increase the excitement a little bit, even though it's exciting to watch every fish count and, and to see all those fish go up on the score track. I think that's fun. But at the end of the day, you see, you know, maybe three or five anglers in the mix you know you got that cut line you know and usually you got to run away right you know generally in the top maybe one or two they they kind of start running away with it a little bit now with this five fish format the excitement i feel like is going to increase jeremy goes out there he's down by three pounds he might be in 12th place but boom he catches a seven eight pounder and all of a sudden he's leading the tournament real quick so you're going to have these huge leaps in those standings whereas before it was just you know, small little incremental advancements by anglers. Now you're going to have people going up a lot and, and maybe down in the standings a lot, you know, a lot faster. So it's it's going to create a whole new aspect. I'm going to be watching. It's going to be fun to watch. Jeremy, yeah. we're going to cut to a quick message from our partners. We're going to power pull down, take a deep breath. Y'all hang in there. Bass Edge will return with MLF Bass Pro Tour angler, Jeremy Lawyer. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge is presented in part by Bass Pro Shops, returning with 2023 MLF Red Crest Qualifier Jeremy Lawyer in this episode's Featured Angler Spotlight. Be sure to visit Bass Pro Shops for all things outdoors. Jeremy, I know you're a big hunter. A season is now concluded, and it's boat rigging time. And what are some of the important aspects to boat rigging that you want to be most cautious or detailed about? Well, all of them, to be honest with you. But, you know, <laughs> I, I've been rigging my own boat for probably 10 years, and uh, I rig some boats on the side and kind of do some different things that way with Russell Marine products. But the thing that I, I never liked about when you got it from the factory of whatever factory or boat brand it was is they just kind of did the standard rig. There's nothing wrong with that. They crimped on a a male fitting and shoved it on the uh, female on the spade, you know, and that was considered fine. And, you know, with a power that all these Garmin electronics or whatever electronics you run pull, you've got to have great connections. You don't want anything getting warm. You don't want them possibly on the Great Lakes coming apart when you're in four, five, six footers, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, I try to cut all that out. So I like definitely to make sure my trolling motor is absolutely double lock nutted. I like it taped up tight. I mean, I like everything nice and neat. I don't want my, my Garmin live scope cable coming from my box 
rubbing on top of it or getting any electrolysis in the nose of the boat. So I separate those and even put some insulation around mine, you know, just as a caution, you know, because you get any of this electronic interference. I like to uh, go ahead and solder all my fittings and make sure that everything is 110%, I mean, solid, put uh, you know, like dielectric grease on all my fittings, all my nuts, my battery terminals. You know, even though I run ProGuide lithiums, they're nice and clean from the factory. They're brand new. But over time, they will corrode. They are running energy through them and electrolysis. So I make sure and put terminal grease on them. You know, I mean, I want everything nipped and tucked. So whenever the first tournament comes to the last tournament, I don't have to go to the service yard. I don't miss any practice if possible. You know, anything I can control, I feel like an angler needs to because it's just going to offset his practice or the day of the tournament or whatever it might be. And so I just go well out of my way to make sure I have large enough cable, large enough wire to run all the electronics. You know, they're going to pull a lot of wattage. And so uh, I I just go through everything with a fine-tooth comb. It's a process. It's a headache. But in the end, if I was to have trouble out on the road, I would know where to start to look, even from just my power poles, rigging those to to my electronics, to my trolling motor, to whatever it might be. So uh, I really enjoy doing all that. I just want to make sure that if I do have trouble, I know where it is. But 99% of the time, I'm doing everything correct or that I can do it within my power to make sure that I don't have an issue. Well, and certainly, Jeremy, that familiarity of what you're doing also gives you, I would assume, a sense of confidence, right? And we also often know, I uh, heard it talked about you yeah. know, many, many yeah. times, you know, just that confidence of, okay, you know, I have done everything I can to control what I can control. But, you know, speaking of that process, about how long does that take? I mean, that sounds like a couple-day job. Well, it definitely is, you know. One thing that I found out myself is if I get out there and I get after it and I hustle and I put in four, five, six hours, and maybe I get to a stopping point, my troll motor's done, my live scope's in, I'll just stop for the day. I don't want to just rush through it or press myself to where I just take a shortcut because I'm getting lazier. I'm getting a little bit just tired of messing with it, you know, and then I'll just go work on some tackle or, or you know, do something else and take a break from it. So I'm just not pushing myself that way. But yes, it, a lot of times, you know, it's a four or five day process for me just because I don't normally have just all day every day just to start working on it. It is way simpler to have Ed Meese at Door 111 rig my boat, and he does a great job. There's no <laughs> two ways about it. He rigs them all day long at Bass Pro, and the man is perfect with a lot of things. But I just don't want to take a chance of getting out there on the road and have to even worry about it. I kind of enjoy doing it. And then if something does happen and it costs me a check or a red crest or points or whatever it's on me and it's not on anybody else so i just kind of prefer to have it done that way yeah i think you take this to the uh weekend angler level and they could help themselves in the same way you know you get out there absolutely you're only getting out maybe once or twice a month right and and to get out there and have some kind of issue you know something not working properly i mean just taking a few hours in the winter time specifically kind of going over your boat looking at some of these things that you brought to light for anglers will help them you know on the water throughout the year as well would you agree oh yeah you know and something simple that people don't think about that really affects your day on the water good is your trailer maintenance you know i rotate my tires every five thousand miles or sometimes depending on how hard i'm traveling or sooner than that 
but just checking the air pressure in them, you know, make sure your brake fluid in the tongue is not running out or you don't have an issue, you know, because all that affects you going down the road and getting to the lake too. And so there's nothing worse than having, you know, a trailer malfunction or something. So I don't know. I just kind of try to make sure all that stuff there is perfect. Good tips. I tell you, once you get this rigged out, you're, you're kind of going through this break-in process of a new boat, you know, every winter. Do you get in yep. much fishing time? You know, I'm me personally, I'm using finding myself tweaking things for another couple of days when I'm out there on the water. You know, you've got your graph setups and, and different kind of things. What is your process like once things start to get dialed in for you and, and are you on the water a lot before you'll come up to this uh, Bass Pro Tour season coming not too far away, you know, a month down the road in mid-February in Florida? Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, when I get my boat rigged and I'm going to go break it in and put some hours on the Mercury, I go by myself. I don't want to take another fisherman or somebody that might be disappointed because we don't even get to fish that day. I try to make sure I don't shut the key off for the first two hours to three hours. I want that really sit the rings, really get the motor hot, make it work. Not like overheated, but just I don't want to run it for 15 minutes and shut it off. I think then first two hours for sure are real crucial on your motor life. And so I go out there and do that. And then I start through the process of, you know, is everything on my troll motor ride? Is everything on my units? Am I depth shading correct? You know, is everything I want on there? Is my side imaging getting good and clear? I'm not getting any interference. It, it is a process to go through and set up everything on your boat. But normally I can do that in just a couple of trips by myself and make sure everything's good. And then it always seems like in the fall is when you get your boat. And I love to catch crappie. And I've got some friends that love to catch them as well. And so we pretty much from, I don't know, say around after deer season, which is somewhere around the third week of November to around 10th of January, we'll definitely go crappie fishing. And I'll, I'll go enough that I know all my stuff is good to go uh with that and and it's more than anything it kind of keeps you in shape of standing on the deck of your boat keeps your knees going good you know and just just kind of keeps you in fishing shape because that break between when we get off like thanksgiving to when we start in february boy if you don't fish much in between there and you just show up in february and start fishing you can feel the aches and the pains and i think you're not fishing as well and thinking as well because you're thinking about how bad your back hurts and so I try to just stay active. I, I cut a lot of wood. I am by no means, anybody who's ever seen me knows I am not in shape to run a marathon. I could not do it whatsoever. <laughs> if I'm running, something is chasing me. But on the other hand, I'm in as good a fishing shape as I feel like the next guy, just because of the way and the amount of time I do spend on the water, but in no means what you would call a, a bodybuilder or anybody that's in shape. But there's two well, differences there. I agree. And, and I, you know, guiding down here at Lake Amistad, you know, I'm fishing with a lot of different folks and, and uh, there is fishing shape versus gym shape. <laughs> I mean, you Absolutely. get some people out on the boat and, and you know, they get that pain, you know, kind of in that back shoulder blade and they can't get rid of it. And, and uh, there's a muscle back there. That's a fishing muscle. I mean, no doubt about it. Well, guys, we're going to jump right into a Nitro Performance Bass Boats listener question segment. This question actually came in from uh, Bass Edge and Megaware friend Kyle Gellis out of Idaho. Kyle fishes uh, the MLF circuit. I think he's fishing the all nine bass opens this year. So watch Kyle out there. But Kyle's got a question about wobblehead fishing. Is there a time of year that this technique shines? 
and what are some of the preferred setups from a lure to rod and reel that might work better than other? Jeremy, maybe a great question for a, an angler that loves fishing rocks out there in the Ozark country. Absolutely. You know, a wobblehead, you know, the first time I saw one, I threw it in my hand and I'm like, well, I don't know about that. But then after using it a little bit, I'm like, this thing is really versatile. And, uh, you know, we thought a lot on table rock. Mark Davis almost won it, or maybe he did win a BASS event down there, cranking it with a little twin tail on it, you know. You're throwing it in the spring, a lot like transitions and little 45-degree banks like you would a crankbait, but it's a little more subtle. It works really good on days where there's not as much wind when they just kind of nip at a crankbait, and you can throw a smaller bait. But once you move right on in to, like, the summertime, if you take a place like Kentucky Lake or some ledges uh, all on the on the Tennessee River chain, uh, you can definitely throw it around the Ozarks as well and just drag it around like a football jig. You put a big worm on it. You can put a little twin tail on it. You can really beef up your setup and go to heavier line because you're going to be fishing more of a structure application. In the springtime, I'm going to throw it like on 12 or 14 pound sunline, where in summertime, I'm probably going to beat that up to 18 or 20. And then as we go into the fall, I'm going to throw it on 20 nothing less because I'm going to fish it shallower than I ever have. A lot of times I like to throw it in, you know, three foot of water to one foot and then I'm boats in five, six, seven foot on really flat stuff. It seems like it works really good on flat gravel, big flats. You can cover a lot of water. Fish get up there chasing shad a lot of times and it's just one of them baits that's real subtle and goes along. You can always throw a biffle bug on it or just whatever you kind of like, you know, as far as a little compact creature bait. But the rod is never changes for me. I always throw it on a seven foot, six inch, like they call a light foot stick from Denali. And it's a lithium pro, but a high speed gear ratio, Johnny Morris signature series reel and that eight, three to one ratio. And uh, I just change my line sizes most of the time. But I like that rod because it's got a little bit of backbone. A lot of time those fish will pick that bait up and swim straight to you. And if you've got kind of a smaller rod, like a seven-foot or a lighter action rod, take up that slack, get the hook in the fish, and get him coming your way a little bit, you know, to get a good hook set. So I feel like that's a good application for me, but there's no wrong time of the year to actually throw that wobble head. You just change your bait and your setup a little bit. Well, Kyle, there you have it. That is a uh, master's class on the wobble head. Jeremy, certainly appreciate you taking time out to answer Kyle's question. But Kyle, we need one more thing from you, and that is just simply log on to BassEdge.com, click the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information, let us know that you heard Jeremy answer your question right here on Bass Edge episode 392 and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to you. A reminder, Bass Edge listeners, to send in your questions to the show via our website, BassEdge.com. Simply click the Ask the Pros tab or Facebook, Instagram. You can fire off those questions there for a shot at winning the Bass Edge gift. Aaron's going to send you from Bass Edge Radio. <laughs> That's right. It's a signed autograph <laughs> copy of Kurt Dove. So there you go. <laughs> uh, well, Jeremy, uh, hey, it was great, great to have you on the program and, and certainly always a pleasure talking with you and another fellow Missourian I should say so congratulations again on yeah. just a fantastic career any any final thoughts before uh, we close down oh I don't know you know I really appreciate you guys having me on here I always look forward to doing these kind of deals and maybe something along my process or journey will help somebody else or if nothing else just a tip like I was asking I help them catch more fish but no I just appreciate everybody that kind of listens and follows along you can follow me on uh, Instagram or uh, Facebook at Jeremy all your fishing i try to put some fun stuff out there some instructional stuff and what's going on around the tour wherever we're at in whatever part of the country 
And so, uh, so no, I just appreciate you guys having me on, and maybe we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely, Jeremy. Enjoyed the interview. Best wishes at Red Crest coming March. It's going to be great to see you do well out there. Bass Edge Nation, y'all hold tight. Aaron and I will return with some final thoughts after this short break. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it, power how you need it, power when you need it. Well, Kurt, very much enjoyed the show, not just because both guests were from Missouri, but uh, you know, you know, when you look at Beatdown Outdoors and what they're doing, and then also to get to hear from Jeremy Lawyer and his just kind of meteoric rise through uh, the working man's class kind of, you know, weekend warrior style to where he is now. Very, very interesting. Man, timing in life is critical. I mentioned that in the interview, but you probably know that more than anybody. You being in with Bass Edge when you started in 2006 and, and how life adjusts and different things take on different meaning, right? I mean, it's cool to see how he had a dream and a vision, didn't quite get where he wanted to, but then if he had gotten there when he wanted to, it probably wouldn't have worked out Correct. so well as yeah. this now. I mean, let's face it, Jeremy Lawyer over the last, I mean, really since, you know, the last 10 years, the dude is just catching him more consistently than most people could even imagine if you go look at his stats go on to him he's never fished a Bassmaster event don't see anything in, in the uh, statistical category in Bassmaster. so all you got to do is google jeremy lawyer and mlf and just take a quick peek at the consistency that this guy's had it's actually incredible dude it really is i mean you know obviously uh, we're close to the same age and seeing and, and fishing a lot of the local regional scene is what he did but timing is absolutely just critical sustainability in this sport you know kurt we've talked about it how many times have we seen guys come on the scene and and do very well but then they just can't continue and that comes to consistency but also the right time and the right place of being able to have that stream of funds cash flow right that's what kills a business so uh anyway great job uh looking forward to our next actually february 1st episode we're already well into 2023 and of course the uh days are getting longer and that means one thing that the bass uh are probably already spawning somewhere in the United States. So anyway, in the meantime, Kurt, any closing thoughts before we shut it down? Man, I'm looking forward to some positive tournament recap on the next episode. We'll recap uh, Havasu, break that down a little bit and practice for the most part, but uh, we'll also break down a little Choke Canyon 
wintertime fishing. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to get out there on the water. It might be a little chilly, but uh, hopefully all Bass Edge Nation listeners can be able to get out, spend some time on the water this last part of January, and uh, get fired up, man. Spring is on its way. Bass fishing is rocking and rolling, just like Bass Edge Radio. Absolutely, and look forward to uh, many things to come here as we approach into second quarter. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin, and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, we wish you a wonderful two weeks and looking forward to spending time with you again on February 1st, episode 393. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, Power Pole, and Transport Graphics.